Um, my name is Matt, and I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of your community today. Um, my wife and I, uh, I, first of all, I served in ministry as a pastor for just over 22 years, or about 22 years. Uh, I work in banking now, um, and so that's a little bit different, but but kind of similar in a way. You get to talk to people and engage with them in their lives and some of the things that are most important to them. I work in business, a small business. Um, but my wife and I have been attending here since uh, back in March and have just really so appreciated this community and the opportunity to come in and, and be a part of the family. Uh, I met Dave several years ago in passing in a coffee shop. Somebody introduced me to him and then uh, didn't really talk to him again until we, we started attending and Dave and I went out and had coffee and uh, the passion uh, that he spoke of, of, of Westside, the vision of the church, the mission of the church, just resonated so much with me. And I remember coming home and speaking to my wife and, and just really feeling like, hey, I think we found a place where we can um, dig in and be a part of community. And so thank you for that and looking forward to continuing to be a part of community with you. Uh, just so you know, married, actually, we just celebrated uh, 27 years uh, just the other day. Have three kids, uh, a daughter who's uh, 22 and is doing a, a master's degree in social justice and equity studies at Brock University, and she's wrapping up there. I have another son who's 20. He's at um, uh, Redeemer uh, doing a history degree. And then my youngest son, uh, Eli, starts at McMaster uh, this September, also doing a history degree. My wife's a teacher. Uh, both my boys want to be teachers. Um, not because they want to input themselves into kids' lives and grow them, uh, because the months of July and August are free for them to do <laughs> whatever they want and sit by the pool, sleep in, and so they both want to be teachers. Um, and my daughter uh, actually wants to be a firefighter, and so, um, and I think maybe too because firefighters work eight days a month. Um, <laughs> and so uh, my kids' work ethic, you can see, is just really... No, I'm just kidding. Amazing kids. Um, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And uh, today is a day when if you are a father, you probably get something for the barbecue. Uh, maybe you get something for your golf bag uh, or you get a tie. Um, and if you're, if, you, uh, you know, if you're giving something to your father, uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I want to say happy Father's Day to you. But I also want to recognize that Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is also a very difficult day. Uh, and for some of you, maybe you've lost your father. And for others, maybe you have no relationship with your father. And I want to recognize that and just say to you, uh, we see you. God sees you. And this morning, allow your heavenly father to embrace you. Allow your heavenly father to put his arm around you and just whisper into your ear that he's here. And so I just want to recognize that this morning. And so with that idea of Father's Day, I thought I'd kind of play off of that. I was thinking as Dave had asked me if I would speak uh, some things, he said, just speak from whatever you're passionate about, what's, what's on your heart right now. And, uh, and I said, okay, yeah, great. Uh, and I had something in mind. I said, I'll teach July 12th. And he said, um, actually, can you teach the 19th? And then I thought, oh, that's Father's Day. And so I got to thinking about it and I got to reflecting over my life as uh, a son and having a father. Uh, my life now as a father, and then looking at Jesus and God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, and what does that look like? And so I want to take a few minutes to talk about that this morning, and I want to look at three different things or three different ideas around this concept of being present. Um, this will date me a little bit, and maybe some of you will recognize this, and so you'll know exactly how old I am, but kind of the ultimate growing up Father's Day song or painful Father's Day song was a song called Cats in the Cradle. 
and you would hear this song, and it sings about basically an absent father who was just always too busy for his kids and always moving on and, and always going to the next thing. And, uh, and I'm not going to read that song to you, but I'm going to read to you a new song um, that's also similar to that idea that I want to use as a bit of a launching pad this morning uh, as we look at a story of Jesus and him sitting with a group of people and this concept of what it means to be present. And so I'm not going to sing you the song. Uh, my wife would get up and leave. Um, I think I have an amazing voice. Um, no worship team has ever allowed me to try out. Um, and so I'm looking for an opportunity to try out for the worship team. I play a Mean Spoons, um, and we'll see. But it's a song by an artist by the name of Donovan Woods, and it's simply titled Next Year. And I'm going to read for you the first couple of verses. My brother and me used to climb this tree. We were going to build a little clubhouse about 10 feet off the ground. We drew the whole thing up. Needed wood in our dad's truck. But he was out of work that summer. The truck only had one gear. And he said, we'll do it next year. My buddies and me, we have this dream. We're going to rent this cabin way up in Montana. We're going to fish. We had the date all picked. Then my old man got sick and the plan kind of disappeared. But we'll do it next year. Another day down, another week gone. You're always talking about tomorrow. You can't beg, steal, borrow, or make time. So you make plans and hope for the best. Life moves on so damn fast. Another 12 months fly on by. You're still here, but it's never quite next year. My little boy and me, we were out to eat. And he said, I can't wait till next year. When I asked him why, he said, because we're going camping. We're going to the ball game, and we'll do all those things you said we'd do next year. So when is it next year? And I think that's a great question to ask ourselves. When is it next year? I don't know if you can relate to that song. I don't know if you look back over your life and what your experiences are. Maybe you can relate to it as a child because it was always going to be next year in your family. There was always going to be something that would come, and so you looked forward to it, and it never really came. Maybe you find yourself as that person now that always says to your kids, to your friends, to your family, hey, yeah, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that next year. But when is it next year? Uh, a number of years ago when my daughter was quite young, um, her birthday was coming up. And we said to her, what, what do you want for your birthday? And she said, um, I want to go horseback riding. I'd like the opportunity to ride a horse. And we said, okay. And where at the time, or still, where my wife's parents lived, uh, they live out in um, Picton, Prince Edward County area. And right where they live, uh, there was at the time a place where you could go do horseback riding. And that's where she had kind of seen it. And she would like to go there uh, with her, uh, you know, her other cousins and pet the horses. And so that's what she said. I want to go horseback riding. And so rather than doing the hard work of researching where can you go horseback riding around the Hamilton area, find out you know, a place, going there, seeing if I could purchase a gift card to put that in her card to take her or booking a time in, I just simply wrote in her card, your gift is we're going to go horseback riding. 
And so we put this together and put it in our card. Now, I want to tell you what that experience was like. I want to tell you that she sat on top of that horse with a smile on her face. I want to tell you that we rode for a couple hours and she kept petting the horse's mane as we rode. I want to tell you that when we finished the ride, she had the opportunity to take an apple and feed it to the horse as a treat for the way the horse treated her. I want to tell you a lot of memories and experiences, but I can't because it never happened. Because there was always next year and the busyness got in the way and we never took her for that horseback ride. She's now 22 years old and fortunately we've engraved in her a great dark sense of humor. (laughs) And so on her birthday, even at 22 years old, she says, hey, do we get to go horseback riding this year? (laughs) And we laugh. But there was always something that got in the way. There was always something. And so I said, hey, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll do it. We'll do it next year and next year. And I think that was around her, I don't know, I want to say 10 or 11th birthday. And so came 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. Next year, next year, next year. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be present. And so I want you to come with me for a second on a bit of a walk. Um, we're, picture yourself for a moment in Israel. Uh, I had the amazing opportunity right before COVID hit. I don't know how we managed to get it in, although I think on the plane ride home I must have gotten COVID because everybody was violently ill on the plane ride home. But the January right before COVID in March, I had the chance to go to Israel and tour Israel and to see this just beautiful country and the beautiful terrain. And so I want, to picture, I want you to picture for your, yourself for a moment walking in Israel, walking through these rolling foothills of Galilee. And they're covered with these you know, plants and trees that we don't have here, banana trees everywhere, um, these rolling hills, just beautiful landscape. And I want to picture, you know, picture yourself walking for a moment with a group of people, small group. Uh, The morning rains have started to soften the sun-baked soil beneath your feet. You are a part of this kind of small group of travelers, maybe a little bit tired, and you're on your way to the ancient city of Jerusalem. And the the person leading your group, the kind of the, the leader of the group, if you will, is a man named Jesus. And as you walk, you're suddenly find yourself at a familiar doorstep looking for some rest. It's a home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And their brother Lazarus lives with them as well in this village of Bethany. Jesus knew this would be a good spot to stop. He, he was the leader of the group and he knew that, hey, as we make our way to Jerusalem, I've got a spot we can go. A spot we can stop, we can get some rest. I know there's going to be food there, something to drink, a spot to just rest our feet. And when you we think of it, nowadays we get in our cars and we drive. You know, it's nothing for us to get in our car and drive anywhere. But for them, they walked everywhere. And I don't know if you've ever seen what their sandals may have looked like. They're not these big pillow cushions that we wear nowadays. They're these thin pieces. And so they're walking through these hills. They're walking through tough terrain. And so the idea of finding a place to stop and rest 
uh, probably sounded really good to them. And so you're tired, and you're hungry, and you're thirsty. You're excited to get to Jerusalem. But Jesus says, hey, I got a spot where I think we can stop and get some rest. And so you're excited. And so you find yourself at this doorstep. And you're about to knock on the door. And so we're going to take a few minutes to look at just simply five verses this morning that come to us out of the book of Luke. Five verses. But I think there's a lot there for us to learn when it comes to being present. It starts off this way. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, just to start with, this tells us a couple of things. Uh, The first thing is, odds are it's actually Martha's home. Martha's the one that comes out and greets them. Martha's the one that meets them and says, hey, welcome to my home. And so this is Martha's home. And the second thing it probably tells us of the three siblings, Martha was probably the eldest. And we don't know this for sure, but it's, it's a pretty safe bet that Martha was probably the eldest of the siblings. And it says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that, that needed to be made. Now, we don't know if Jesus sent word ahead. We don't know if he said, hey, to one of the, the group, the, the, the people that were traveling with him, hey, I want you to run ahead of us, you know, get there ahead of time, let them know we're coming so they can be prepared. We have no clue. Maybe he did that, maybe he didn't. But they've landed at this place, and now Martha's scurrying about preparing. If you ever get a chance, there's a, a great, you can probably YouTube it, it's part of his comedy routine, but there's a comedian named Sebastian Manacuso, and he does this bit on when people kind of surprise you and knock at your door. And for some of you who are younger, this will seem very foreign to you, because you never do that. You never just drop in on somebody. You text them and say, hey, are you home? I want to pop by. But I grew up in a generation where I do remember this. I remember people just dropping by. And my, my mom um, always had a homemade lasagna in the freezer just in case somebody dropped by and we could feed them a meal. Always. My mom also always had, and, and, and Sebastian nails it in his bit because of all the things he says I remember. I remember Sarah Lee cakes. He's, I remember my mom pulling them out. You know, Folgers Insta Coffee, just so that we could have coffee with whoever came by. And it was very exciting when somebody just dropped in on you. Nowadays, it looks very different. And and I really encourage you, you've got to watch Sebastian's thing, because he talks about now when somebody knocks at the door, everybody panics. Who is possibly here? Let's hide so they know we're not home and we don't have to talk to them. And we tell our kids to be quiet and hide in the corners. And we don't want to engage. And it's true, though. It's true. When somebody knocks, we don't even have a doorbell at our house. You've got to really knock. So that way we can hide in the backyard and say, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't hear. We missed it. But when somebody comes to our house and surprises us, before you even answer the door, it becomes... Who's expecting somebody? Who's, who's at the door? Whose fault is this? And we have this idea or this experience. 
But that's what's happened here. Jesus and his travelers have dropped in, but Mary greets them at the door like it used to be, opens it up and says, welcome to my home. Come in. I'm so glad that you're here. And so they head in and they sit and they begin to rest. Let's keep reading. And then it says, she came to him. This is Martha. Is that me? Sorry. Um, She came to him. This is Martha now. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And so here we have this picture of Jesus, the travelers that are with him, his disciples. They're sitting in this room, resting, and there's Mary, kind of cross-legged, sitting at his feet, looking up at him, and just listening. And Martha is running around, going crazy. She's prepping food. She's prepping drink, probably making sure there's enough pillows in the room for people to sit on. Is, is the temperatures are, do I, you know, how can we get a breeze through here? Open the front door. Uh, you know, does everyone have enough to drink? Who needs a top up on their drink? Who needs more food? And she's running around doing all of these preparations. And I don't know if you've ever been, you find yourself in that way. Maybe it's with your own kids. You know, we've had this family meeting several times in our home and it doesn't work. But it's like, hey, do you know how much your mom and dad do around here? Maybe you could help out once in a while. Like, don't put your dish in the sink. Put it in the dishwasher. If you open the dishwasher and realize it's clean, don't then close it up and put your dish in the sink. Maybe empty the dish. And we talk to them about how much running around we do. And we say, don't you see it? Don't you see how much we're doing? And we miss it. We were talking with some friends, even this past week, we were uh, with some friends and we were talking to them and, and she was saying like, yeah, you know, when we have people over, it's almost like I don't even actually get to sit and participate because I'm running around doing all these different things. Maybe even staring at her husband as he's sitting, enjoying and engaging, thinking, wow, you're on the couch tonight, you know, but we get busy and we run around and then we see somebody else just relaxing. And we say, don't they notice how much I'm doing? How much work I'm putting into what this experience is? Picture, for your, picture yourself for a moment sitting in that room again, being one of those 12. I mean, maybe you can feel the tension starting to rise in the room. I'm sure as Martha comes in and, and places some more food down, she probably does it in a way where she prays it and then does that kind of glare at Mary like, do you see what's going on here? Yeah that's called serving, you know? (laughs) And she goes back into the kitchen. Maybe she nudges her, gives her a little elbow. Say, hey, recognize what I'm doing. And then she can't take it anymore. And she just looks at Jesus and she says, do you see what's happening? What I'm doing? Can you, my sister is sitting right there, Jesus. Can you just tell her to get up and help me? She'll listen to you. Tell her to get up and help me. And here's where we're going to land today in his response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Man, I love this response. I love this response from Jesus. 
She's running around busy, and it's good busy. It's not bad busy. It's not that she's neglecting them. It's not like she's invited them in and they say, hey, hang out. And then she's off busy doing other stuff over here that impacts them in no way. She's doing good stuff. She's busy trying to create space for them to rest, busy to provide for them, feed them, give them something to drink. It's not that she's doing bad things. But she's chosen the wrong thing, and he identifies that. And he says, Mary has chosen the right thing. And I'm sure this is not a response that Martha was expecting. I'm sure she was really expecting Jesus to say, you're right, Martha, I apologize. Mary, do you not see what Martha's doing? Are you lazy? Like, get up and help her. That's kind of, I'm sure, what was going through Martha's mind. This is what he's going to say. And instead, he says something very different. You see, Mary had chosen the right thing. Mary had chosen what we want to call being present. She decided to sit with Jesus and be present and to listen to him and to hear what he had to say, to hear what he was sharing with the group. And she was sitting quietly and just taking it in and soaking it in. And yeah, sure, they might have been hungry and thirsty and those things he was saying aren't as important as what is happening right here. I'm having an opportunity to invest in Mary, invest in the others that are in the room. And she's sitting there being a part of this. We can get busy in life. We can fail to actually be present. We are doing things to create busyness, always looking to the future and missing out on the now. And we begin to say the phrase to our kids, to our spouse, to our friends, hey, we'll do that next year. Who have you said we'll do it next year to recently? Where are you? And I don't want this to be a guilt thing, but where are maybe have you failed to be present? Where have you maybe gotten caught up in the busyness of providing and missed out on the opportunity of just sitting and being with. And I want to look at this on three different platforms. Because we can make it just about Father's Day and say, oh, this is about being present with our kids. But that's not true. It's about so much more. And so there's three different ways that I want us to look at this. The first is this. It is with our kids or with family. Are we present with those that we live with, that we are intimately involved with day in and day out when it comes to my kids am i present with them when they're looking for the attention they need from me am i 100 percent focused in or am i distracted by the busyness am i thinking about the deal that i have going on at work and what i'm going to be walking in tomorrow on monday and what needs to be done and what needs to be signed and what hurdle do i need to overcome or am I being present with them this afternoon when they sit with me in the backyard and give me another golf glove? <clears throat> or give me another scraper for the barbecue? And I'll just hang it there with that one and that one and that one and that one. But I'm being present with them. Or am I distracted? And so how present are you with those that are intimately in your lives, that live in your home? that live under your roof when they need your time, your attention? 
Are you distracted by, well, it'd be nice to, but I just came home from work and now I got a cookie dinner and then I got to clean up and oh, there's laundry to be done and I should cut the grass and I should sweep the floors and then all of a sudden it's 10 o'clock and it's like, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed, guys. And off you go. So that's the first one I want you to think about this morning. What does it look like? The next is when it comes to the relationships you have outside of family, your friends. And most speci- more specifically, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about those that don't know the person of Jesus. Those that are your neighbors, your coworkers, uh, other people that you have in your lives. How are you investing in them? How are you being present with them? Do they see somebody that's busy and doesn't have time for them? Because Jesus made time over and over and over again for the broken, the lost, the hurting, those that didn't know him. And so what does that look like? Uh, Briefly, I think of the story of Zacchaeus, you know, and here's this guy, this sinner, this guy who's stealing money from people. At the time, and I apologize if you're some sort of accountant or bookkeeper, back then you were the lowest of lows. Nobody liked you um, because, you know, they tended to take a little bit more money than was needed and pad their pockets a bit. And this was Zacchaeus. But he heard about this man coming and he climbs up in this tree and he's looking because he's a wee little man. You know, if you remember that Sunday school song and he's in this tree and all of a sudden Jesus is right there. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today for lunch. And when you read that story, here's what's beautiful about that story. When you read that story, at no point does he say, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house because, man, you've got some repenting to do. You've got some sin in your life that needs to be corrected, and I'm here to help you correct that sin. No. Zacchaeus repents because this guy just simply came and wanted to be present with him and sit with him and have a meal with him. And so when it comes to our engagement with those, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends that we've met through whatever thing we participate in, it cannot be about, being present with them cannot be about helping them identify the wrongs in their lives and that you have this person of Jesus that'll correct that. It's about just being present with them because when crisis hits their life, they will turn to you. And so what does it look like to be present uh, one of the things I struggled with early on when I got into ministry, uh, and I remember sitting with my senior pastor at the time, and I said to him, Lane, like, man, I'm struggling. Like, as a pastor, I'm, I'm just like here all the time. There's, there's like a wana on Tuesday nights, and there's prayer meeting on Wednesday nights and Thursday, and I'm at the church all the time. And, and you know what, Lane? I'm just with church people all the time. Not that church people are bad. <laughs> Not saying that. But I'm with church people all the time. And Lane said to it, you know, what are you passionate about? And I said, man, I love baseball. My wife and I love to play baseball, still play baseball to this day. And he was like, yeah, find a team. Don't join a church league. They're the worst leagues to begin with anyways, because <laughs> people figure it's a church league. It's licensed for me to not be Christ-like for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, and so my wife and I, uh, reached out to this baseball league, put our names in, and said, hey, if teams need players you know, for co-ed baseball, my wife and I are available. And this team reached out to us. And um, I'm pretty proud at this point. I went an entire year without telling them what I did for a living because um, I didn't want them to know I was a pastor. Not because I was ashamed of being a pastor. I loved being a pastor. 
because people change how they behave in front of you when you're a pastor. And I wanted to get to know the real them. And so I said a lot of different things. I said, I'm in leadership development. Uh, we work with a lot of non-for-profits, helping them fundraise. Uh, I do some counseling, you know, and avoided the P word for like a year. And then when they found out, they're like, oh, you can fill in the, you know, like, wow, that's, we never would have guessed that. And then you go back and go, why would they never have guessed that? Did I? No. But we joined this baseball league probably 20 years ago. And some of our closest friends that we have are from that baseball league. And I've had the opportunity to do probably, oh, eight marriages, eight weddings of people, not even on our teams. They just, you know, I got started being called Padre. That became my nickname, Padre. And someone from another team who I would see regularly say, hey, would you? And I had a chance to step into their lives and just be present and do, and and for some of those individuals, crisis hit. And suddenly I found myself sitting in a Starbucks with them and having the opportunity then to talk about this person of Jesus. And so what does it mean for you to be present in the lives without saying, hey, I want to be here for you because I want to point out to you what is wrong, but I just simply want to be present. And so we have present in our families' lives and being attentive to their needs. We have present in the lives of our friends who don't know the person of Jesus, just to simply be there and to show them how Jesus would have been. And then lastly, what does it mean to be present with God? What does it mean to be Mary that actually sits at the foot of Jesus and listen and to take it in? And here's what we can do. Like Mary, and please redo the summer serve announcement because it's going to sound like I'm countering that. But we can get busy with the life of church and we can be doing a lot of things when it comes to church and justify it and say, hey, these are God things. I'm busy doing God things. And we get so busy doing God things that we actually don't sit in the presence of God. We don't sit and open up his word and, and breathe it in. We don't sit in a Sunday service and engage in the worship because it's an opportunity to feel the breath of God as, as this community sings and it's this amazing experience. And so the last part of being present, that third part, is what does it look like for you to be present with God? To just simply sit and listen to him and to hear what he has to say and to hear what he wants for your life. And so this morning, are you present with God? Are you carving out, last week we even heard that, are you even carving out just 10 minutes just to sit? And I loved that. It's hard. It's not hard to carve out an hour and a half in front of Netflix and power through that series that got released and you've seen all 10 episodes in less than a week. But it's hard to sit for 10 minutes and open up the word and just listen. To put on some worship music and just close your eyes. But I want to encourage you, um, you know, to follow up last week's teaching to do that because it's an opportunity to be present. It's an opportunity to, like Mary, choose the right thing, the best thing, just to sit and to listen because he wants to invest in your life. He has words for you that will encourage you. And so today, when I think of Father's Day and I think of being present, I want to go through this quick checklist in my own mind. Hey, am I present with my family? Am I present with my kids? Do they know that there is no next year? There is right now. 
Am I present with my friends? Present with the friends we've made through baseball. You know, we were out with a whole whack of them last night. Are we present with them? Do they know I'm not there sitting there going, oh, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. (laughs) Or do they know that I'm actually sitting with them and I just want to be a part of their life and I just want to hear what's happening in their life and I want to be open to them so that they know when crisis hits that I'm a safe person to come to and it gives me opportunity to share with them about the person of Jesus and to share with them how he can help put the brokenness back together again. And then finally, how am I doing when it comes to God? Am I present with God? Am I sitting with him and am I taking it in? Or am I just so busy that I don't have time? And I don't say maybe next year. I say, oh, I'll I'll get to that tomorrow. And I push the Bible off one more day. I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll do my devotions tomorrow. I'll spend time with God tomorrow. And we push it off and we push it off. The last verse of the song that I read to you at the beginning says this. My old man, he was fading fast. He said, I'd like to see that Grand Canyon. So we just left. Packed up the car and went. I called in sick to work. We drove till 3 a.m. There ain't no next year. There ain't no next year. And we can put it off and put it off. But there isn't a next year. There is only now. I'm grateful that my kids are patient with me. I'm grateful that they forgive me. Uh, A number of years after the horseback incident, uh, we would camp every year with my wife's uh, brothers and all their kids. And we'd go camping for three or four days together in uh, Prince Edward County, near where Lisa's parents live. And my daughter rose. Uh, She rode in high school and she now rose for university. And there happened to be a regatta happening that weekend that we were camping as a family. And she came to me and said, Dad, I would really like to be at my regatta. I would really like to go. I said, okay. And so we got up out of that tent at 3 a.m. on the Saturday. And we got in the car in Prince Edward County and drove to London, Ontario, so she could row in this regatta. Got there, I don't know what time, 8 or 9. And uh, she rowed, and then we got in the car, and we drove all the way back to camp. And I don't tell that story to say, you know, how amazing I am as a parent. Uh, I'm sure when she got into the car at 3 a.m. and then went right back to sleep, I was driving like this. You're not even going to sit up and talk to me? Um, But I tell you that story because as much as she reminds me about the fact that I said next year to horseback, she also remembers that moment that we got to spend together in the van driving and just simply being present. And there's nothing better than that feeling of being present with someone like that. And it was such a gift. And so I just challenge you today. There ain't no next year. Time is what we can't get back. So what will you do with your time today? Will you be Martha rushing around because there is always something to do? Or will you be like Mary and pause and just be present? Present with God, present with the Spirit, present with your family, present with your neighbors, present with your coworkers, present with your friends. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity we've had just to come into this space and to worship you and to engage with you. 
And God, we just pray. We pray as we leave here. We pray that we would reflect or we would desire to be Mary. Not that there's anything wrong with Martha, but in this moment in time in that house, God, Mary chose correct. Mary chose to cross her legs as she sat on the ground and simply look up at you and listen. Listen to what you're saying and to be present in that moment. And so, God, I pray that we would look to reflect the same, that we would look to be present in the lives of our family, that as we leave here today and maybe do Father's Day celebrations, that we would sit in those moments, even though we get a repeat gift or we just want to nap and kids are crawling all over us. We would just be present in that moment, God, and enjoy it. I think of our friends and our neighbors, Lord. I pray that we'd be present in their lives, not to point out what is wrong with their lives, but simply to sit with them and know that we care about them so that when crisis hits them, God, they come to us because they feel safe and they know that we care and we're invested. And you open up opportunity for us to share about your healing power and your beauty and your forgiveness. And God, I pray that we would look to be present with you. You have so much that you want to tell us, so much you want to invest in us. And sometimes, God, we just get so busy doing good things, but they're things that distract us from just sitting with you. And so, God, may we be present with you today, I pray in your name. Amen.